Welcome to the Harvest Men's Podcast. My name is Adam Eaton. I'm the pastor over our Next Gen Ministries here at Harvest, and I'm just excited to be able to share God's Word with you today as we continue our series, Am I Doing This Right? I love that question because I can tell you right now, uh, in almost every season of my life, I've asked that question. My wife and I right now, we have five children, and I think we're daily asking that question, am I doing this right? Um, am I messing up my kids right now? I don't, I don't know. How, how do I, how do I do this? It's a question that's commonly on, uh, that my wife and I ask one another. And, uh, you know, in this series, we're looking at a lot of these relational issues, right? Uh, last week we talked about friendship, uh, learning that Jesus is the perfect friend because he loves us perfectly. And today we're going to ask the question when it comes to being single, am I doing this right? You know, I want to say this as we get started, as we think about this topic of singleness, you know, the church places a heavy emphasis on marriage. And I think rightfully so, because God is the one who created marriage and marriage is uh, said to be held in high honor. Um, and I, I think it's a good thing. It's God's purpose and plan. It's the bedrock of every societal uh, foundation that we have. And so, you know, I think it's a, it's a good thing. But at the same time, that emphasis can make a single person feel like they're doing something wrong if they're not married yet. Again, making you ask the question, am I doing this right? What, or even worse, could make you ask the question, what's wrong with me? Have you ever heard someone say, I don't have the gift of singleness? Well, let me, let me say this. I don't know anybody that has the gift of marriage. Listen, I, I think there's this preconceived notion that if a person has the gift of singleness, I'm doing air quotes, you can't see me do it, but I'm doing it, uh, that they're good at it and they know how to do it and and that they're content in that uh, perfectly. Well, I'll, I'll say this about marriage. Um, just because one is married doesn't mean that they are good at it and they know what they're doing in all of it. We have to learn and we have to grow because listen, here's the reality. Listen, being single is hard and being married is hard. It's all difficult. It all has its pros and cons. And what we have to do is we have to learn and get better in whatever phase of life that we are in. So let me, let me say this today. We're talking to the single men in the room, wherever you may be, if you're listening to this while driving, while uh, exercising, or wherever you might be, listen, here's the reality. You are either single, or you were once single, or you know people that are single. So let's ask the question, how do you do singleness the right way? How do you do being single the right way? I have four points for you as we look at God's word together. The first point is this. How do you do being single the right way? Number one, give God your undivided attention. I want to point you to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 8, 9, and then we'll jump down to verses 25 through 35. I'm reading in the New Living Translation, and so I'm going to jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 8 and 9. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8. He says, So I say to those who aren't married and to widows, it is better to stay unmarried, just as I am. But if they can't control themselves, they should go ahead and marry. It is better to marry than to burn with lust. 
So I wanted to start here in this discussion about singleness and marriage, because I think a lot of times we get this misconception that singleness is a spiritual gift. Um, nowhere in the Bible does it say that being single is a spiritual gift that some have and that some don't. Um, and I think this passage makes that fairly clear, because if it was a spiritual gift, then technically it would be sin for us to not use that spiritual gift if we were then to go out, or if you were to go out and get married, right? So I don't want anyone to think that just because they have a desire to get married or want to get married or feel like they should get married, um, that they're doing something wrong. Because listen, I, I believe that God has given singleness as a gift, not a spiritual gift. And we'll get to what that means in just a moment. Just as Marriage is a gift, but not necessarily a spiritual gift. So let's jump down to verses 25 through 35 in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Again, verse 25, he says this. Now, regarding your question about the young women who are not yet married, I do not have a command from the Lord for them, but the Lord in his mercy has given me wisdom that can be trusted and I will share it with you. Let me stop there really quick. The Apostle Paul is addressing a question that was written to him about these young unmarried women in the church of Corinth. We don't know what the question was. We don't know the context around the question, but they had asked him and he's answering to them and he's telling them, listen, I have a command uh, from the Lord for them or excuse me, that he does not have a command from the Lord specifically for them, but some wisdom to share with them. And, and let's go into this in verse 26. He says in verse 26, because of the present crisis, I think it is best to remain as you are. Let me stop there. That's verse 26. He says this present crisis. That's a really important kind of key uh, phrase here that we need to understand and look at because everything that the Apostle Paul is about to say right now about marriage and singleness has its context in whatever this present crisis was. In studying for this and reading some commentaries, uh, I found out that there was actually archaeological evidence of famines and earthquakes in Corinth during the time that Paul was writing to this church. Um, now, that's interesting because famines and earthquakes are associated with the tribulation. Remember, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 7, Jesus said uh, about the tribulation, the coming tribulation, he said, nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world. So the Apostle Paul and the people that he was writing to would have uh, known this. They would have known this part of Jesus's teaching. And I think that was informing them if there was famine, if there was earthquake that they were dealing with or experiencing, there probably was some question then that they had. And a follow-up later on in, in Matthew 24, verse 19, Jesus said this. He said, how terrible it is, or it will be, for pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days. Right, so I think this is a really important key for us to understand this whole chapter, right? Paul is talking about this present crisis. There's archaeological evidence of uh, famine and earthquakes in Corinth at this time. Jesus said that is what would take place uh, during the or near the tribulation. And then he said it would be terrible for pregnant women and nursing mothers. 
So I think what we have here is a question regarding should people get married? If the end times are here, if the tribulation is coming, should these people get married? And Paul, I think, is then addressing the current or present crisis with some wisdom. So he says in verse 26, again, because of the present crisis, I think it is best to remain as you are. If you have a wife, do not seek to end the marriage. If you do not have a wife, do not seek to get married. But if you do get married, it is not a sin. And if a young woman gets married, it is not a sin. However, those who get married at this time will have troubles, and I am trying to spare you those problems. So Paul is sharing wisdom. That was uh, verses 26 through 28. And Paul is just sharing some wisdom and saying like, hey, it's not a, it's not a sin to get married, right? I think that the part of the, the Matthew 24, 19 passage where he says how terrible it will be for pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days. I think a lot of people interpreted that as, oh, it, it's a sin then to get married and to have children during this time. And Paul is saying, no, it's not a sin to get married no matter what time it is. Right. And so, again, he's trying to spare them of trouble. That's Paul's heart in all of this. If you jump down to verse 29, he then goes on to say, but let them say this, dear brothers and sisters, the time that remains is very short. So from now on, those with wives should not focus only on their marriage. Those who weep or who rejoice or who buy things should not be absorbed by their weeping or their joy or their possessions. Verse 31, he says, those who use the things of the world should not become attached to them for this world as we know it will soon pass away. So you see here, Paul is using some... Uh, language, eschatological language that's basically saying like, hey, like we're keeping in mind that Jesus is coming back and that this world is not our home. That's kind of the point of what he's getting at here. He's saying like, guys, focus on what's important, not the things of this world. Let's continue reading in verse 32. The apostle Paul writes, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. Verse 34, his interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and in spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. Verse 35, I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. I'm going to stop there. So here's what Paul is getting at. A single person has the ability to give their undivided devotion to the Lord. That's the way the English Standard Version puts it. Paul is saying, I'm doing this to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Right. So here's why singleness is a gift. Singleness is a gift because in singleness, you can give all of your time and your energy and your attention to the Lord. To a married person, as a married person, I have to give my time and my thought and my energy 
to my wife and to my children and to provide for them and take care of them. God's word says that uh, one who does not provide for uh, their own household is worse than an unbeliever. There is a responsibility that that I bear uh, before the Lord for my wife and for my children. And the primary way that I please the Lord is by taking care of my wife and my children. But as a single person, uh, in fact, before my wife and I got married, uh, we'd been dating, we got engaged, and we did pre-marriage counseling. And in one of the sessions, the it was the session where we talked about priorities, right? And and what is the priority? Now, um, I grew up in a, in a ministry family. My uh, my dad is a pastor, and so this was something that was passed on to me uh, from early childhood. And I remember my parents talking about the fact that when it comes to priorities, the prior, priorities must always be God first, uh, family second, that would be uh, the marriage relationship, then children is, is second in priorities. And then everything else comes after that. That's going to be uh, work. That's going to be ministry. That's going to be hobbies. All of those things come after keeping God first and family second. That's what we talked about in pre-marriage counseling. And then afterward, my uh, wife and I, before it was again, before we got married, we went out to coffee and we were talking about it. And, um, and my wife was like, Oh, that was a really interesting meeting. And I was like, yeah, it was like, what'd you think about it? And she told me, she said, well, I, I didn't know that it was supposed to be God, then family, then ministry and other things. And I was like, Oh really? What, what, what did you think that it's supposed to be? And then she said, I thought it was supposed to be God, then ministry, then family. And I was like, oh, really? Like, where where did you get that? Where did you learn that from? Now, my wife did not grow up in uh, a Christian family. She didn't grow up in a ministry family. And so she was just learning these things as, uh, as she was going. She had been a Christian for, I think, five years at the time. Um, and this is what she told me. She said, well, that's just the way that you live your life. You live your life. God first, then ministry, then family. And man, that was such a gut check. That was such a uh, a hard thing to hear because what that told me is that as a husband, I wasn't putting my wife in or my future wife in her proper place. But as a single person, I apparently was doing something to the effect of giving my undivided attention to the Lord. Right. And so that was a shift that I had to make when my wife and I got married. And it was a, it was a difficult one. But again, as a single person, you have to give your this is, I think, one of the best ways to do it right, to do singleness right, is giving your undivided attention to the Lord. What does that look like? And that's going to look like a bunch of different things. But I think primarily it's going to be living your life for others. In singleness, it's very easy to get self-centered and doing things my way and doing things in a particular, uh, you know, fashion or order and, and getting comfortable with the way that I want things to be in my life. But here, here's again, the idea, it's it's about serving others, right? Jesus made it very clear. Uh, he, he told his disciples, I give you a new commandment that you are to love one another. That means putting others first. That means thinking better of others than we think of ourselves, Right. And so I want to encourage you, if you're single or if you know people that are single that are struggling with how to do singleness. Right. Here's the number one thing that you can do. You can begin living your life 
for others. That, that could mean serving at your church. That could mean, uh, you know, uh, helping out with friends and family. That could mean uh, a, a host of other things. But it most certainly does not mean doing everything your way and, and keeping focused on you and you alone. It means going out of your way to putting others first in your life. And serving them, right? Um, Jesus told us, he said, uh, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He gave us the example of what it means to live life for others or to give our undivided attention to the Lord. It's to serve those around us. Right. Um, and I want you to, to know um, that actually is really good practice for marriage at the same time, because uh, being a husband means serving your wife. Being a father means serving your children, right? So if, if that's something that's on your heart, a desire in your life, I, I want you to know that is um, that learning to serve others now, even in singleness, will also benefit your life as a married person. So again, point number one, how to do singleness right. Give God your undivided attention. Um, point number two, learn to be content. In Philippians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul, again, he's writing to the church in Philippi in verses 11 through 13. The Apostle Paul writes this. He says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. The Apostle Paul in this passage, he's, he's giving us a key. He's giving us a, a clue about um, not singleness in particular, but life in general, right? Um, it's about learning to be content where you are, right? Learning to be content with whatever you have. And so I want to encourage those of you right now who are single, but maybe have a desire to be married, um, learn to be content where you are. Now, I want to guard you against something as well, because there's this um, nasty little thing that can happen when you're doing this, where it's like, okay, I'm learning to be content so that I can uh, move on into the next phase of my life, ideally dating, then engagement and marriage. Right? Uh, that, that puts things backwards, right? If you are learning to be content for the sake of getting something that you don't have, then that's not contentment, right? And and, and we have a lot of uh, young men who end up going like, okay, I'm, I'm content, I'm content, I'm content. Where's my wife? Uh, it doesn't work that way. Right? That's not the way that it's supposed to work. That's not the way it's supposed to happen, right? Here is, again, the, the clue that the Apostle Paul is giving us is that like, hey, listen, God has given you everything that you need for life and godliness at the present moment, right? So because you don't have a wife yet, or you don't have children yet, or fill in the blank with whatever you feel like you don't have, that doesn't mean that God is not giving you what you need. God has given you everything that you need for life and godliness. And learning to be content means that you are learning to trust in that fact. So again, how do we do singleness right? Be content. Learn contentment. Uh, point number three on how to do singleness right. Keep the main thing the main thing. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, a familiar passage to uh, all who have been walking with the Lord for, um, I think, any length of time at this point. He says this in Matthew six thirty-three: Seek the kingdom of God above all else 
and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. Jesus is speaking in this passage. This is uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. And in it, Jesus is just making it so clear. Like, here is our number one priority. It is to seek God's kingdom first. Right? We need to make that our ultimate aim. Listen, getting married is not the ultimate aim. Uh, having children is not the ultimate aim. Uh, becoming a grandparent is not the ultimate aim. Becoming financially independent is not the ultimate aim. The kingdom of God, the eternal kingdom of God is the ultimate aim for our lives. Not only that, but then seeking to live righteously. He gives us two things. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And if you have those two things in order, what does he say? He's saying that that God will give us everything that we need. And he does that anyway, because God is good and he is gracious. So again, I think with these three things, we can be fairly certain that we're doing singleness right. Is it going to be easy? Absolutely not. It's going to be all kinds of difficult. But I want you to know this, everything has its own kind of difficulty, its own kind of hardship. Like we said earlier, uh, being married is hard, but being single is hard. Being a parent is hard. Not being a parent is hard. And what we need to do is, again, we need to learn to give God our undivided attention, to learn to be content and to keep the main thing, the main thing. And I want to give one last point specifically to those who, who have a desire to be married or, or maybe even a, a strong desire to be married. Um, this is a, a fairly cliche saying, but it is true. Don't look for the one, be the one. Here's what that means. There's this idea that there's this, you know, one out there somewhere and that God has this mysterious person out there for every single person. And it's our job to figure out the mysteries of God's will and part the the, the clouds and, and, and find whoever this person is. Well, that, that's a myth. That's not biblical. Here, here's the idea. Like, instead of trying to find the one, learn how to and practice being the one. Find out the things. If there's things that you are looking for in a partner, be those things. Live out those things. Uh, Be one who is devoted to the Lord above all else. Be one who is seeking first his kingdom. Be one who is content with what God has uh, given to you. And um, focus on that instead of trying to find the one. And I want to say this. Maybe you're going, well... I've tried that and I've done that. And, and, uh, you know, um, it's just, this is a men's podcast. So I'm speaking to men. Uh, Maybe the men out there are going, but you know, these women, they just, uh, there's something wrong with them. Uh, I want to say this as lovingly as I can. If the women are always the problem, um, maybe they're not the problem. Maybe you're the problem. And it's time for you to stop focusing on yourself to give your undivided attention to the Lord, to learn contentment, and to seek first God's kingdom. And if you do those things and you learn to be the one, then I, I believe that's going to open somebody's eyes and, and the Lord is going to provide for you everything that you need because he's good and that's what he does. Well, thank you for spending time with us today at the Harvest Men's Podcast. I want to pray for you, um, and then we will go. Let's pray together. Lord, we come before you right now. I thank you, God, for every person that's listening to this. God, would you bless them? Would you teach them? Would you encourage them? And Lord, would you help us all to be men 
that want to give our undivided attention to you, that would put you first above all else, that we would seek first your kingdom, and that we would live for you in every area of our life. Lord, I pray specifically for the men that are listening to this that uh, are single, God. Would you bless them? Would you uh, help them stay focused on you and you above all else, Lord? Would you uh, give them uh, contentment, Lord? Would you help them to, to be content with where you have them right now, knowing, Lord, that you have them exactly where you want them to be. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would bless us all. I thank you for your word, that you give us guidance, that you give us um, help through it, and that you teach us uh, through your word. We love you, we praise you, and it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Again, thank you for joining us today. And uh, this has been the Harvest Men's Podcast and hope to see you again and be able to share God's word with you again. God bless you.